Hill Church exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. Good morning. Uh, my name is Constantino Kalev, and I serve as one of the members of the oversight team here at Pearl. My husband David and I have been members of the church for seven years, and back in 2016, we had the immense honor of being the first gay couple married here at Pearl by our very own dear Pastor Mike. <laughs> this Sunday, I will be closing out the annual series of talks by members of the board. And we are not pastors or theologians, so we thank you for your grace in not expecting us to come up here and preach anything transcendental or something that will completely rock the way you see a Bible passage. Um, for that, we will return next week to our f regularly scheduled programming featuring pastors Mike and Ben. Now, uh, I would like to invite you to close your eyes if you want, or don't, uh, and listen, to me, listen with me to a song that I wanted to share with you. Most of you might recognize it, and you may be wondering why we're listening to it. I promise I will explain in a moment. I didn't grow up in a particularly spiritual family. Uh, we never sang hymns or songs of praise. We didn't sing much of anything, really, and none of us played any instruments. But music was always a big part of our family life. My father owned a record label that represented major European and Latin American artists for Central America and the Caribbean. And he and my mom traveled regularly to music festivals in Europe and South America. They were all elbows with the likes of Spanish singer Julio Iglesias, who randomly featured my older siblings in one of his early music videos back in the 70s. <laughs> Some of my favorite moment, uh, memories of my parents involved music. I remember them dancing, and not just at parties, but on random weeknights when they would put on an old record and just dance by themselves in our living room. So even though we were not spiritual, and even though we didn't really go to church all that much, there was always something about music that I recognize now helped all of us connect with each other. One example is my relationship with my father, which has always been fraught. For context, I am the youngest of five children and the second of two sons. I'm gay, introverted, and opinionated. My dad is straight, outgoing, and something of a tyrant. I hated sports as a kid. He was always a jock. I'm a philosopher. He's a businessman. Connecting for the two of us has never been easy. The only way we could ever really do it was through our shared love of music. He taught me how to make mixtapes in the 80s, 
And then 10 years later, I taught him how to burn CDs. <laughs> he introduced me to Louis Armstrong, the Beatles, and everything from the cheesiest Italian pop to the moodiest French songs and the boppiest Spanish yayé. Without music, I don't think it would have been possible for me to have any kind of meaningful relationship with my father. So yes, music is, to me, a vehicle to relationship. And that is why I wanted to share that song with you, to connect with you, and because to me, music is also a vehicle to relationship with God. The song, George Harrison's My Sweet Lord, has been one of my favorites since I was very young. It is, to me, the quintessential spiritual song. Even though I didn't really think of it that way back when I first started listening to it. It should be obvious, considering that it's very clearly addressed to the Lord. But as a 10 or 12-year-old, it mostly inspired in me feelings of wanderlust and a desire to travel. Why? Well, because the second half of the song, which we'll listen to in a moment, introduces some Hindu chants, which I could only associate with the Hare Krishnas, those bald, barefooted hippies who used to proselytize at airports. My family used to travel a lot internationally when I was a kid, and whenever we were in the US, my mom would grab my hand really tight when we walked past them, as if they were going to kidnap me right there and then and induct me into their weird cult. Now, the funny thing about that is that Rather than scaring me, I found that kind of exciting. It just added to the atmosphere of possibility, of adventure, and unknowns that I always felt at airports. It added to my sense that there was a big, vast world out there open for me to explore. Whatever that says about me, let's uh, finish listening to the song, and then I'll talk more about the actual significance of those Hindu chants. So, uh, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. This, as I mentioned, is a sacred chant. But it wasn't until I got to high school and read the Ramayana and the Bhagavad Gita in my world literature class that I began to understand what it was all about. And to recognize that there was more to those weirdos at the airports than met the eye. Hare, Krishna and Rama are different names for Vishnu, one of the persons of the Hindu Trimurti, or Trinity. In Hinduism, Vishnu, also known as Hari, Krishna, or Rama, is the preserver or the maintainer. I'm always careful, out of respect, to not make too many or too direct equivalencies across religions, but using the language of our Christian tradition, I've always understood Vishnu to represent the aspect of God we call the Holy Spirit. His role is to protect humans and to maintain balance and order in the world. His presence can be felt all across creation. The Maha Mantra, as that chant is known, is designed to bring us closer to God, to entrance us into feeling a deep connection with what we call the Christ within us the spirit that lives in the temples that are our bodies. Repeating God's name over and over again reminds us that we are in relationship with him or her, if you prefer female pronouns, 
and that we can know him by name just as she knows us by name. The second chant of the song exalts another relationship, the relationship of God with God's own self. In our tradition, we call that the Holy Trinity. In Hinduism, they call it the Trimurti. In that tradition, the supreme being, or the single ultimate reality, the single one God, consists of the confluence of three persons, Vishnu, who we've been talking about, along with Brahma, who is the creator, and Shiva, also known as Maheshvara, who brings all things to an end. It is to the three of them coming together as one that the second chant in that song calls. Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Divu Maheshvara, Guru Saskshat, Param Brahma, Tashmai Siri, Gurav Nama. In English, this means something like our guru or teacher is Brahma, the creator. Our guru is Vishnu, the preserver. Our guru is Maheshvara, who brings things to an end. Our guru is one self, the absolute. Holy greetings to our God. I love the use of the word guru because it reminds me that God, that holy and mysterious trinity that exists in relationship with its own self, is also in relationship with me. And I love the reminder that the relationship is exactly what Jesus modeled on earth, that of a teacher to his disciples. God who created us, God who protects us, and God who reminds us that all things must end, is, above all, teaching us how to be, how to exist in this finite and tangible world. I hear Jesus calling to his disciples in Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn how to live freely and lightly. Come with me, says Jesus, as he invites us to learn. Get away with me. Walk with me. Work with me. Keep company with me. The message is a clear invitation to relationship. And if we believe that what God wants for us is to emulate him in how we live our lives, that means that forging relationships with one another here on earth is a key part of what we are being called to do. Dear church, I'm up here today following Linda, Rachel, Mike, and Carrie because we think it's important for you all to know us, to know our hopes and our dreams for Pearl, to know what we have in our hearts for our community. And what I find in my heart for all of us is that I want our church to be a place where we can all build and preserve meaningful relationships. I'm grateful for the friendships I've made here at Pearl. And I hope this will always be a place where others can find what I have found.
Starting friendships isn't easy, especially as you get older. It can be awkward. I remember David and I asking Carl and Abby Kopok out on a double date when we first started coming to Pearl and being genuinely nervous about whether they would say yes or no to us <laughs> asking them out. <laughs> I remember Dan and Sherry Gilbert approaching us one day after the service and inviting us to join their home group, which we did and which led to other great friendships. Nolan, for example, who eloped yesterday, and we were delighted to celebrate with him and his now husband, Josiah. <laughs> and I remember Joseph and Amy Reed sending us a wedding present, even though we didn't really know them very well and hadn't invited them. Much to Amy's embarrassment, the present arrived before the wedding when she had intended it to arrive just after. We were so moved that we ended up extending a last-minute invitation, <laughs> which she assured us multiple times was not what they were trying to get. <laughs> Whatever the case, it doesn't matter. The result is that they became two of her favorite people. Now, if starting friendships isn't har is hard, the truth is that keeping and maintaining friendships isn't really any easier. And I think the last two years have highlighted that for many of us. It's hard to do the work of vulnerability, intentional connection, and intimacy required to keep strong relationships alive when you are forced to isolate. David and I have let friendships fade, even with people who we've always enjoyed spending time with. And I'm guessing we're not the only ones. And then there's the friendships everyone has lost due to the increasingly polarized politics of this country we live in. Linda spoke of harmony a few weeks back, and I love that it was with that that we kicked off this season of sharing by the oversight team, because it is in seeking harmony, that is, in the coming together of diverse voices, different opinions, and different tunes, that we can begin to build and rebuild relationships across the divide. My heart for you all is that you will feel safe at Pearl to approach someone you don't know and begin the process of getting to know them. I hope everyone will be able to find a home group or some other community where you can feel seen and known and be real. I wish you all nervousness and awkwardness and the kind of intimacy that makes you feel seen, known, and cared for. In a few moments, we will sing together a song that I asked Brian to include in the service, because it is, to me, yet one more song that evokes friendship, love, and relationship. It's not an official part of the Pearl songbook, I don't think, um, but to me, it is a Pearl song, because it was sung by our church the day David and I got married. That day, in front of this church, we vowed to be in relationship with each other for the rest of our lives. We vowed also to be a part of this community and to help facilitate relationships and connections here. I hope you will all join in singing. And if you feel moved, maybe even standing up and clapping, it's very not Pearl, <laughs> but you'll understand when you see the song, when you hear the song. Um, so that we may celebrate today the joy of being friends 
and in a relationship with one another here on earth, here at Pearl. Please pray with me. Holy Trinity, God that goes by many names, help us, your disciples, build relationships that celebrate who you are, who we are called to be. In the name of the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope that this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. Thank you.